You should see our excitement when we realize there's a new podcast review. We both do little happy dances. Shout out to Amethyst for leaving us a review. She said, A must for business owners. This podcast is so, so good for any weight-inclusive business owner, no matter where you are on your journey. Having personally known and being friends with Morgan, she knows her stuff. I love how authentic and real both Hannah and Morgan are on the podcast. It's a struggle being a clinician where I have no background in business and marketing. They provide simple to-dos, tips, and digestible strategies that make it less overwhelming for me to get started and make my business my own. Thanks so much, Amethyst. If you're also loving the podcast, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the pod. Today, we are be, being joined by Sophia Suleiman to chat about making pivots outside of clinical work, fluidity in your business, and reframing our mindsets around failures, quote unquote failures, in our business. So Sophia Suleiman, she, her pronouns is a registered dietitian specializing in supporting businesses through virtual assistant services. She and her team can provide you with social media, email marketing, and online business management support. So you're freed up to focus on your zone of genius. By outsourcing consuming tasks, you'll have more time to focus on running your business and bringing in new clients. Let's dive in to our conversation with Sap. Hi, Saf. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Pod. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We are super excited to have you here. So just a little bit of background for the listeners. You and I are Instagram friends. Yes, I've seen you and I knew I needed to send you a DM. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Saf slid into my DMs and we're like, let's jump on a Zoom call. We've had a few chats since then, as well as just sporadic check-ins over Instagram. And you're a dietitian but you don't see clients, which I love because same. (laughs) When did you know that you didn't want to work as a traditional dietitian? I love that question because the answer is I didn't. What actually happened was I moved from South Africa where my degree was where I studied. And then I moved to the USA and my license was not valid here. It wasn't about doing an exam or paying something to get my certifi- my certification valid, it was about going back to school. And schooling is expensive here. So yeah. I was sort of pushed into a corner and I had to just be really creative about how I can transfer my skills. So initially it meant working as a nutritionist. I worked as a research coordinator. But after I had my daughter, then it really got my gears moving because I had to have a, I had to have a higher paying job to afford daycare. And that's sort of what really kickstarted my like entrepreneurial um, journey. Okay. That is insane to me that it wouldn't transfer over. Cause I imagine you had to go through school, go through some sort of internship, take an exam in South Africa. Yep, exactly. It was very frustrating for me at that time because 
even after I qualified as a dietitian in South Africa, we worked a full year of clinical work in our fourth year. And then I worked one year clinical without any supervision where I ran the hospital's dietetics department. So I was technically a manager from a very young age. So when I came here, I was like, so I've got all this experience and you're telling me to go back and study whatever I already studied. Like in South Africa, because it's like a second or third world country, you need to be really equipped to be to do hospital work from the get-go. There's no extra supervision. From the time you graduate, you need to be able to see someone with HIV, someone with TB, be able to give them the NGT tubes and figure out all those calculations. So I came here and I was like, you're telling me I need to go back and do that again? No. <laughs> That's absurd. But you've made the best of it because you have a thriving business now getting to work with dietitians. You had your daughter. Is that when you started your own business? Yep, that's correct. So the initial thought was, I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to take care of my child. But that's when I truly learned that I cannot do that 24-7. It took a lot of introspective work for me to be like, as much as I love being a mom, it can't be the main hat that I wear or the only hat that I wear. I had to still wear a hat that allowed me to use my like my a lot more of my brain, like a lot more of what I strive to do. I always pictured myself having a career. Um, and then that really did push me into a corner because a lot of the jobs that I was looking at, a lot of the jobs that I was eligible to apply for just wouldn't give me the pay grade of affording daycare. So I needed to be creative about it. And the only thing I could then do is like, let's figure out what it look, would look like to start a business. And so you're running a virtual assistant email marketing, social media, business manager, type business now. Was that what you started with? Nope. I started with more of a nutrition coaching business. So I watched a webinar about how you can make 10K a month. I was like, that's what I want. (laughs) And they spoke about, you know, creating your signature program, selling it in group coaching, one-on-one, and then possibly later down the line, creating more like a mastermind or society type of thing. So I was like, okay, perfect. That's what I want. I have the skill set. I have the knowledge. Let's go do it. But not realizing I didn't have any visibility, right? Like I wasn't from the US. I didn't build an Instagram page with a ton of like fans behind me. I started everything from scratch. And I thought it was like, I thought within six months, I was going to have this business up and running and have clients, but that didn't happen. I did have the business up and running in the sense my signature program was complete. I knew exactly all the different parts to run my business, but I didn't have a warmed audience to my offers yet. And I promised myself I would be in it a hundred percent in it for a year. And when that year mark came up, it wasn't where I wanted it to be. That's where I like to say I make like more data-driven decisions because everything in me was like, I love this business. I love who I'm getting to serve. Even if it was just a few clients, I really want to help people with their disordered eating habits. But at the same time, it's not paying the bills. What can I do to still do what I love and pay my bills? Gosh, we have really strong feelings about business coachings and offerings that kind of promise certain amounts, uh, large amounts of money, right. For just following these steps in a program. And yes, it totally, absolutely can work for some people, but you named it of, you were able to follow that program and set up all the things you needed to, to run the business. But when you, it's the audience and the sales that really drive it. And when that's not there, it's like, well, this didn't work for me. So I appreciate that transparency and sharing that just so people know, because we know a lot of people that have been through similar things and often it can send people into like a shame spiral or like, what did I do wrong when it's like, no, 
it's not about what you did wrong at all. Exactly. And I knew I was mentally ready for a business because when I got in that first sales call before I joined that program, she was like, what will you do if this doesn't work? I was like, I don't think this is not going to work. I think then this was just not the thing that's going to get me to the next point. Because anything that I'm doing that increases my skill set, that teaches me something, is not something someone can take away. So even if my business isn't up and running and I'm not getting like getting revenue into my business, it didn't necessarily fail. It just didn't get me the outcome that I wanted. And that's how I knew I was ready. And that's how I like I continue telling people like sometimes you don't get the outcome that you wanted, but there's something that happened along that journey that you get to walk away with. Yeah. That's something that, that we think about a lot because Hannah and I have both made quite a few pivots in our business. It sounds like you've made quite a few pivots in your business as well. And it's like, it wasn't for nothing. Nothing is never for nothing. Like you're always going to learn something along the way that's going to help elevates you to get to that next step, wherever that's supposed to be. Okay. You gave yourself a year, wasn't where it wanted to be. Is that when you jumped into type of work you're doing now, or was there another pivot along that journey? So there definitely was a bridge along that journey. So I put everything to sleep in my business. I think this was like May of last year. Uh, so that's May 2021 and it was heartbreaking like for me to stop paying for a click funnels where I hosted my program it just felt like this big part and so much effort put into something that just goes to bed so then I told myself like I'm just going to give myself breathing space like I've pushed so hard for a year I need to really think about what it is that I want And then this opportunity fell on my lap where another dietitian was like, hey, um, I'm looking for a co-coach. My client load is really heavy. I want to focus on scaling my business. Are you open to that? And for her, she found it important that I I didn't have a competing program. And I was like, "I, I tried it. It did not work for me. I'm really happy to see clients, give them that knowledge, share that journey with them without me making that effort of like the sales part. So it was awesome. It worked really well for some time. But then what I also did realize is that with the client load being so big, it was time consuming. I had to be on camera a lot um, and it didn't really give me that flexibility. Like, yes, it started paying the bills, but it didn't give me that flexibility that I wanted. And then it just so happened that I started helping out with a little bit of VA work for her. In that time, I chatted to a few other dietitians and nutritionists or nutrition coaches that also pivoted into VA space. And I started having more and more conversations with them. I was like, what is it like? I'm terrified to do that because what if it's crickets again? And they're like, what do you have to lose? So I just decided to announce one day on my Instagram, like, hey, I'm actually offering VA services. If anyone's interested, let me know. And this happened in September. I was fully booked out by October. Wow. Yeah, it was, it happened crazy fast. And then I had to actually eventually be able to transition transition out of being a co-coach because I did that for about like a month and a half. And I realized I was just not able to take on like now my new business venture and still see clients one-on-one. How did you decide how many people you could take on for VA services at that time when you just like put it out into the universe of I'm taking people on, what did that look like? It happened gradually 
because it was so it was over a month. So it was like one week I would onboard two clients and I sold it via hours. Maybe that makes a huge difference. I knew how much I could fit into a day. So I knew how much I could fit into a week. I knew how much I could fit into a month. And I sold it via hours because I needed to figure out how long is it going to take me to write social media content? How long is it going to take, take me to write email marketing content? How long is it going to take me to help someone manage their online business? And then actually only as of August of this year, 2022, I decided to move it into packages because now I have a year track of how long things took me. And it made sense now to move it into packages instead of still being able to track my hours on a daily basis. Before we dive into your current business, because I love that that's a service you're providing. I'm really curious about, I know you said you're like, I'm going to give myself a month and then end it. Can you take us back to that time when that year mark came up and kind of what that story was that you were telling yourself? Was it difficult to like come to terms with it had been a year? Like walk us through where you were at during that time. It was very emotional. And at the same time, I have a partner that is also very, very practical, not very emotional. So that was a word that we told each other, like, you know, I'm using my time during that year period while I was building and creating that business. I was still seeing full time to my daughter. So she's at home with me. I'm doing everything in between. So it felt like it was a disservice. Like I'm continually putting this effort into what was kind of like a hobby, right? If it's not generating revenue, just it's just sort of filling my cup, but at the same time, not paying bills. It's a hobby. So we knew at that year mark, we had to make a decision. And it was, yeah, it was very heartbreaking to make it. But at the same time, I knew it doesn't make sense to keep putting your effort into something that doesn't work. And I did the pivots, right? That's the thing. It's not like I did it once and said it didn't work. I do everything at least three times before I say it doesn't work. So running a webinar, done that three times, attracted different audiences, had a good amount of registrants. Did it convert? Nope. Okay, I'm not going to do a webinar getting on discovery calls, doing that multiple times, getting better, um, seeing how the conversion rates, no, not doing that great. Let's see something else. I did it multiple times and then use that data to be like, this doesn't work. Let's try this. This doesn't work that let's try this. And it's not that I didn't have the skill set because anyone that was in my circle, following me on Instagram, joining my free things were like, dude, you do amazing. I love the way you talk. I love the way you resonate with the message, but there was just a disconnect between them loving the message and actually becoming a paying client. So I knew I'm good at something. (laughs) I just needed it to change into a form that was going to pay things, was going to pay my bills, was going to contribute to like a career growth. I think it is so cool, Saf, that you're naming these things of like, I did these things, didn't convert. I did these things, it didn't convert. And I'm realizing the disconnect between what I have to offer and like, how I can speak to things is awesome. But for some reason, that's not bringing in these kinds of clients and just the grit of going through that and putting yourself through the ringer of like, I'm going to give this a college go and then I'm going to pivot. I just, I am blown away. Thank you. And I, I, I know that that was what I needed to eventually make it. And that's what I'm always like screaming out loud on top of my lungs is like, It's not about being the smartest person in the room. It's not about knowing the answers. It's not about knowing the secrets to success. It's to keep going even when it gets hard. And I don't mean keep going doing the same thing. I mean, keep going to figure it out until something does work out. I had a similar thought this morning, actually, when I was reading a leadership book. I don't know why it popped into my head, but I was like, 
I think because I'm getting ready for a team meeting later to like put all of my group practices heads together so we can talk and make our business better. But I was like, I am not the smartest person in the room. I'm not going to be the smartest person in the room. And that actually excites me because one, you don't have to be the smartest person. And two, like, yes, it's about the pushing and going and like making shifts. So you are, you're spot on your entrepreneur brain is just chef's kiss. (laughs) I also love like through all of that, like you have the data to back it up. Hannah and I talk all the time. We're like, trust your gut kind of people. Uh, we make a lot of decisions like based on our gut emotions. And I wish I was better at like tracking data. How do you choose what data to track? How do you track it? And how do you make decisions based on that? So for me, it doesn't come naturally either. Mm. I think a lot of it is actually my partner. Like he's my sounding board and he's always like, um, you're doing X, Y, and Z. You're spending this much time on it what's the results? And I'm like, oh, wait, let me track it. So it doesn't come naturally naturally to me to track a lot of things. I don't have like a data brain. I'm not like an accounting geek, right? But I know that I want my efforts to mean something. So for an example, with, with social media, I'm, I, I, I speak a lot about like how I love social media, how it's a great place to connect with people, but it doesn't mean that you need to put all your eggs in that basket if it's not where you're getting a lot of your clients. So for me, it means tracking, first of all, things like what leads you're getting in from there, how much visibility you're getting, how many of them become your clients. And it's with every platform or everything, it's a different tracking method. Like with email marketing, you'll track like how how often your how much your followers are growing by. So like on a weekly or on a monthly basis, how much your subscribe, how many subscribers you have, what are your open rates, what is your click-through rates, what's your unsubscribes? And being disconnected from like the fact that, oh, this was a good email. I love putting together this email. I think people are going to like it. But then the open rate is low. It's like, okay, maybe the content was good, but maybe the title wasn't. And it's the same way when sometimes an open rate is super high and the content was super short and you're like, I didn't expect it to do well, but hey, your title and your preview might've been really catchy. Let's try and reuse that. It, it feels like A-B testing. Like you're like trying yeah. out different, like what kind of tweaks are you making along the way? And I imagine you do that with your business, but I imagine it's also something you do with your clients as well. Can you walk us through what kind of services you offer and like how that data piece kind of fits into it? Yeah, sure. So with my email marketing and my social media management, those are the two places that I really track because with online business management, it's hard to track what I'm doing because that a lot is more taking on responsibility so that the business owner gets to focus on their zone of genius. So it's more like I'm taking away things that are time consuming for them. And the only thing that you can then track is like, hey, did the profits increase because they were able to continue improving their funnel, right? But then with social media, we'll track like how many follow, like how many followers came in. We track like are we having conversations with their leads? And this is this is one that I find very interesting because people feel very polarized about this. Like, oh no, I don't want to randomly message people that just follow me. And then other people are like, yes, let's do it. But how? But I think it's really important, especially when you have a much smaller account. You're really creating a community, and people are following you for a reason. Um, and then it's important to uh, to also do your like your how much your reach is um, and your engagement rates. And then for 
email marketing, it's similar to what I mentioned earlier. It's tracking your subscribers. How many are they? How are they coming in? So like what lead magnets are doing really well? Um, and then it's tracking your your titles of your emails, your open rates, your click-through rates, and your unsubscribes. And that will really tell, first of all, like what titles do really well for your audience, what previews do really well for your audience, what offers do really well. Because sometimes you may think like, hey, no, social media is the place I focus so much of my energy on. What if more of your the people buying your products are actually coming from your emails? That means that's where you need to focus a little bit more of your energy and still work on improving the social media part so that you do get more clients from there. So that's also something that I find important to go back to. So for an example, if a client's like, um, I feel like your tone maybe doesn't necessarily match the tone that I write in. Yes, sometimes that may be true, but I also have found that you tend to be very protective when it's your first hire. So if a person hasn't hired a virtual assistant before, they haven't hired a social media manager, an email marketer, and no one's ever written their content for them, it's easy for them to read it and be like, that's not me. But how easy is it for their audience? It may not be as easy because we spend a lot of time. First, we tend to um, repurpose their old content so that we're learning their language as we're consuming it. And then only after like, I would say like a month, a month or two months, we start actually creating their content from scratch. And by that time, we've learned their tone of voice. But it's just that protectiveness. Like, this was mine. I used to do it. It's my tone of voice. I don't feel like it sounds like mine. And that's how I'll be like, let's see what the data says. If you can trust me for like these few emails, let's put them out. Let's see if your unsubscribes are higher. Let's see what your click-through rates are. And oftentimes it goes, it improves because it's still that like that me having done this for multiple clients, it's like I get that marketing insight. I'm not a marketing expert, but it's just like, okay, does that sort of title really attract someone to open it? Or is it too educational? Or is it too too spammy? <laughs> you know, having all that insight because I'm working now with multiple clients. We were recently talking to Heather Kaplan on the podcast. She's of the RD Real Talk podcast and Wind. And she was saying, we were talking to her about delegating and she was like, I used to try to delegate to other people to write my copy and things. And she was, and we were relating to her of like feeling very protective of content produced and wanting it to sound like us. And I think that's absolutely amazing that you are accounting for that of like, Hey, it might be a little bit quote unquote weird for a second. We're going to be learning your content, repurposing things, really processing it. And then we're going to get to a point where we can really send it, how sell it, how you would. And that, that makes sense to me. There has to be a transition to where your team can take on that stuff and know how to do it. Yep. A hundred percent. I would never be able to, from the get-go, be able to copy another person's tone of voice. It's like, whenever you were talking about that, it's like, you're like inside my brain, because that's been one of the, one of the things that has held me back from hiring someone and, and delegating tasks that are more like client facing as opposed to like behind the scenes where I would still have my eyes on it before it gets put out into the universe. And tone of voice is such a big one for me because it's, it is so personal um, to like learn phrases and things like that. And then even, even just hearing you say like, we don't just jump into doing that. We start by evaluating your old content and absorbing that piece of it. And then I imagine too, like 
I'm now at a point where it's like, okay, I want to be more consistent with my emails, but I'm not dedicating the time to write it. So wouldn't it be better to have someone to support that and it not be not maybe not be like a hundred percent my voice, but it's at least consistent. It's getting out there. It's not holding me back from reaching my ideal audience. Exactly. And I think before a person decides to hire, it's important to think of things like that. So I I just onboarded a social media manager for my business last week. And before doing that, I first created a bunch of content that is my tone, my voice that she gets to go through, create graphics for, learn my voice before she creates content. And I would say I have like about a hundred captions in there. So she gets to learn the values, my tone, um, quotes that I will often pull, analogies that I often use. So by the time she starts to create content, she has an idea of what I'm about, right? Because that one interaction or two interactions aren't really enough. But when she's going in and and she's editing and she's proofreading it, it really starts, She that voice starts to go in her head. And it's the same way with my clients. Like the clients that I have for a year, their tone of voices are in my head. It's like the minute I start with their client work, it goes so fast because I've worked with them for so long. I know their programs inside out. I know their lead magnets. I know their social media content that it's just easy to create content from scratch because I've been in the content for a year long. I'm imagining how you do this. And it's um, cool to me that you are like, hiring somebody to do like your social media now to, and I'm imagining to promote these services that you're offering for VA things. Is that, is that correct? Okay. So when you talk about listing out all the captions and quotes, like it sounds like you're doing batch working. Can you tell us a little bit about your process with creating content just vaguely of like, yeah, what's your process? So I have my content pillars. I love Airtable. <laughs> so in Airtable, I've got my co- content pillars and, you know, it may be small, like intuitive eating, but then I write the philosophy behind it. So like um, with intuitive eating, it's, you know, I want it to make sure that people are getting to learn that, you know, they're worthy no matter their size or like just a few things that I really want to always focus on. And then for an example, social, no, Run, like one of my one of my content pillars is run your business your own way. Then I'll write over there, like do it on your terms. You get to decide, you choose, things like that, like little pointers. Once I have all my pillars set out, then it's like, okay, what do I want to focus on? So for an example, right now in my business, I am more open to bring on clients that want email marketing or OBM services more than social media management. So that means now I get to look at my pillars and be like, okay, what do those fit into? It doesn't fit into my launch management services. It doesn't fit into my social media. So let me focus on these pillars. And then and then I focus on like, okay, let this let these posts be for vis- visibility. Like what's my intention behind my post? Visibility, engagement, educational, entertainment, and moving between those. Because I, I tend to see a lot of I think it's a lot of dietitians love educating because we have so much to share. But at the same time, it just becomes like a magazine to someone receiving it. Like you're not, you're not entertaining them. You're not engaging with them. You're just telling them three ways to do X, Y, and Z, five ways to achieve this, 10 ways to do this. And then it gets lost because you're using social media to connect with them. So connect with them, ask them questions, um, do things for fun, allow yourself to look silly, allow yourself to like show them who you truly are, because those are going to be your clients. I haven't used Airtable. 
What is Airtable? I love it. I will, I will, I will do a walkthrough for you. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's it's an amazing hub that I use to house my content for myself in my business. I'm using it as the entire process for my social media management. But for my clients' businesses, I don't force my clients to be up to date with all the tools. So we fix, we we start with one, and it's usually Asana. And then Airtable is where I put all their content so it can always be repurposed because it's searchable. Whoa. So any, because that's the thing. A lot of people don't repurpose their content and then you're a content generating machine and that is not productive, right? So I truly believe in repurposing your content and all my clients get that when we work together. It's not just a, like a smooth transition of being able to work together using the project management tool Asana, but it's knowing that anything we're creating for you, it is getting uploaded into a hub so that we can repurpose it at different times. So for an example, one of my clients, she has been in business for quite a long time. So when we got started together, I took all her old content and uploaded it into Airtable. And we had over, I think like 300 columns or 300 worth of content so the next like this year when it came to fourth of july i could just search in there fourth of july okay this is the type of thing she likes for fourth of july let's recreate this in a different form but we're not starting from scratch anymore my mind is blown i i'm just saying if you did a webinar slash workshop going over this i would pay to be there new business idea just saying <laughs> i love it <laughs> honestly though i would too because i'm we me and hannah say this all the time like Work smarter, not harder. We usually say that, especially related to Asana and having like templates in Asana. We're huge Asana fans. But having something that's searchable is genius. Like I, I just think of like the number of times that I say things over and over and over again. And like each time they're just like a little different and having a space for all of that to be in and then being able to go through and be like, oh, I was really, you know, I was talking about creating a lead magnet with someone or like writing SEO and being able to just like type in SEO and see everything that I've ever talked about or like written about SEO, I feel like would save so much time. And the best part is you get to like, you know, in Asana, how you can, um, what is it called? You can tag things. So Airtable is sort of similar. So when we when we're uploading our the social media content for clients, I will use different tags. So for an example, is this post a marketing post? Is this post an engagement post? So that also when it comes to like marketing time, we're not creating things from scratch. I'll search it via tags and see, okay, these are the marketing contents. Which ones performed well? Let's try and recreate some of these so we're not starting it from scratch too. That is so cool. So cool. So I'm sitting here just reflecting on all my different businesses, Morgan and I are both multi-passionate entrepreneurs. And one of my sticking points is Instagram. <laughs> I, I love it. I love reels. I think it's awesome. But when I sit down to do content, sometimes I'm like, like my brain just goes blank. And so I, I'm, and maybe it's as simple as like, I just need to hire your team to help me. <laughs> but I'm curious what you would recommend for someone who maybe has issues like producing the content right then and there, like pulling from their brain. If you have any tips, I would love to. I would say schedule in time to do it. So if you scroll on social media, remember your intention sometimes when you're on it. So for an example, if I'm on Instagram, I know when I'm just scrolling to scroll, but I also know when I'm scrolling to look for something to recreate. 
And when I'm looking for something to recreate, I'm like, okay, how can I use this in my business? Save. How can I use this in my business? Save. And I'll save them. But on a Thursday is the day I'm going to recreate my content for my reels. And by that time, I've saved at least five. And that's just about consistency, like building in that habit that like, okay, I need to create reels this week or I want to create reels this week. These are the ones I'm going to recreate Thursday, setting aside that time. I'm going to do it today. No questions asked, right? Like it's set in stone. That is when you're going to do it. Um, But that's also why I hired a social media manager is because I know that as much as I like creating reels, I want to build a business that has that flexibility and is more sustainable. And there are going to be times where I can't create as many reels. Like for an example, we're planning an almost two month trip to Egypt and South Africa. And it doesn't mean I want to ghost everyone. on Instagram. I definitely know that that's still, and that's a really great time when people are starting to plan the the next year. And I want to be able to give helpful content and it might not be via reels. So I want to have good content out there that's going to support them while my reels are not being created consistently. We love that flexibility and planning ahead. (laughs) It's so important because you just, you never know what can come up. So I know you and I were, were chatting a little bit before we jumped on and hit record about something that you're really passionate about is reframing this mindset around failures in business. My question for you is what is a recent failure that you've had in your business and how were you able to shift that mindset? And I'm going to add, because Hannah and I are both guilty of this without toxic positivity. So I would say my most recent failure in business was my lack of establishing values for my business. And then seeing that come from like seeing that backfire with a contractor, then the way I sort of like moved through that is I recognized like, okay, that was not really on her because it's really easy to point fingers. Like, yes, you know, they, it's it's it could have been part of her to blame, but at the same time, what did I do to make sure that didn't happen? I didn't do that much because I didn't have my values established in my business. So how can I use that quote unquote failure? So how can we avoid it to the best of our abilities for the next time? And that meant me actually creating core values that I'm actually going to stick to and I resonate with. Because when I created them at first, when I just started my entrepreneurial journey, it was something I was like, okay, these are nice values. Okay. I forget about them. They don't really like, they're not anything I run my business with. And then when I hired my next hire, I was able to onboard them with my values. So I used my values to be like, okay, you fit in well with what my business does. And then in our regular team meetings, be able to like, I would not not reward, but I would be able to compliment them based on the values of my business and emphasize them so that they know when they're making all these choices and they're doing things for me, they're carrying my they're carrying my business values too. We love accountability and naming our part in things. I am totally with you. And as humans, it's easy to point and blame and be like, ah, this person wasn't a good fit because they did this or felt this way. And it's important to take a step back and be like, oh, I didn't set them up for success or I didn't make this clear. And these are the lessons that are continuously learned in our businesses where they get integrated into our business as you're speaking to through them not being there and something happening. So thank you for normalizing that. 
Yeah, of course. And I think that's the hard part of like running your own business is that you need to be really aware of your actions, what you're doing and see how you can avoid it. Because the truth is you're never going to get another minion you. And the best decision for your business is probably not to get a minion you. You're already you. You need people who are going to complement your abilities and complement your strengths. But at the same time, you need to set them up to be able to do really well in that in that realm of work. Could you share what your business values are? Yeah, of course. I love them. So number one is people first. I work both with clients and now like my contractors. So prioritizing respect, empathy, understanding. My second one is quality matters. So, and this one I find really important. And on the same side, it's always where I remember that as much as I want to give the best quality, there are times where mistakes are made. For an example, um, a grammar mistake or a spelling mistake. But then it's about taking accountability and apologizing. Because in business, that's sometimes a hard thing. Like we're all business owners. We all have a little bit of sense of pride. It takes away from it when you're like, oh, I'm so sorry I made that mistake. I'm so sorry something didn't go out on time. But it's so important to do it because people first, right? So (laughs) those just sort of go together. And then prioritizing process. I love processes, but it doesn't mean I'm amazing at them. So whenever I'm hiring someone to do a specific thing, I'm wanting to make sure not only do they do a good job at that, but they're focused on the process to do that too. So yes, you're an amazing social media manager. You create great content. You create great copy. But do you streamline the process so that it's enjoyable for other clients? Are we able to replicate it with ease for other clients? And then the last one is ensure growth. And this was a very important one for me to put in there because one of my strengths is being a philomath. I did not know that term before, but it basically means that I love learning. And I find it important that my contractors love learning because with social media and email marketing, it's ever changing. So if you're not keeping up to date with what's the best way to continue to grow it, continue to improve it, you're staying stagnant. And that doesn't provide the best quality for our clients. So, and that goes to personal and professional. So oftentimes with our team meetings, it's like, hey, what's going good for you personally? What's going good for you professionally? Thank you for sharing those. We love uh, hearing other values. Hannah runs a whole business on like how to use your values to run a group practice too. So uh, love that you have those so integrated into your day-to-day tasks. And it's just, it's so cool to see someone who was working as a dietitian pivot into this space. I know it wasn't necessarily your plan whenever you moved to Texas um, for that to happen, but what you've, what you've grown and what, what you've started and what you've grown is such an important service to our community, specifically with dietitians, because I mean, it's similar to why we have this podcast of just like this education isn't out there. These resources aren't out there. And so to be able to have someone who understands the lingo, understands the industry and be able to support with social media, email marketing systems within the business is just, is huge. And I feel like a, like a big part of me feels like now that I've been able to do this, one of the next steps that I, I visualize me being able to do is teaching other professionals that, you 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 could move somewhere and not be able to practice like law a lot of times law is you know it's to the country that you're from 
but you can transfer your skills. And that's something I tell people so often, like uh, oh, a friend of mine is a teacher and she was like, it's really hard. The hours are crazy. I have to constantly work on weekends. I'm like, what skills do you have? How can you transfer them? And that's an important way to think is like, you're not stuck to the career that you thought you supposed to have. Think of the skills that you have and how can you transfer them in a place that you really do actually want to work? Love that so much. It's all about those pivots, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awesome. So we have a few rapid fire questions for you. I can't promise I'm going to do good, but let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Just, just we'll we'll do the best. Okay. (laughs) Question number one, if your business was an animal, what would it be? A lion. What is your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Freedom. Mm, Yeah. That's a big one for us too. What is your morning routine to get ready for the day? daughter taking care of her getting her up and ready yeah yep she starts my day it's so funny like I read all these things about you know the the lifestyle habits or the morning routines of successful people I'm like mine does not look like that my daughter comes to my bed and she's like mama mama son out (laughs) wake up and I'm like okay cool let's get the day going oh what a great way to wake up though (laughs) it is (laughs) the sun is shining time to get going love it Question four, if you had $1,000 handed to you today to spend on your business, what would you spend it on? That's a tough one. A thousand. Can't you give me more? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I wouldn't spend it on my business. (laughs) What would you do? Put it away in savings? I, I would probably contribute it to my household. What is the hardest decision that you've had to make in your business? Closing the first one. What is your least favorite task that you have happily outsourced? Oh, house cleaning. Same. <laughs> Not I, a business related task, no. but that was the first thing that had to go. <laughs> I can relate to that. I was like, I don't like cleaning. It takes me so long. I could be spending that time doing something else. I'm going to get a house cleaner. <laughs> and I couldn't do with it not being cleaned. <laughs> Yeah, that's the kicker. It's like a double-edged sword or whatever the phrase is for that. All right. And our last rapid fire question for you. What is the best thing that you've eaten in the last week? My mom's food. Aw. Yeah. Did your mom did your mom live nearby? They actually just moved here. So they're living with us until they find a place. And I've been loving home cooked meals from my mama. Oh, <laughs> so much comfort. Yeah, definitely. And so much vegetarian dishes and flavor. Like I like cooking lentils, but it became time consuming. And it's the one thing that sort of had to give a little bit as my business grew. But having my mom here just make those lentil dishes so flavorful. It's it's I love it. As we wrap up this podcast episode, can you let our listeners know where they can find you online, the best way to connect with you, and if you have any upcoming upcoming offerings you'd like to share? Yeah, of course. So the best place to find me is on Instagram under Dietitian Saf. And the best way to contact me is either to send me an email. And that is when you go to my Instagram, you'll be able to get my email address or be able to send me a DM. I love Instagram. It's where I chill a lot. So I would definitely say go for the DMs first. And then remind me what your last question was. 
yeah, if you have any upcoming offerings or things you want to share with listeners related to your services. Yeah, definitely. So if you are looking to outsource your social media, email marketing, or online business management, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to be able to support you so that you can still continue growing your business, focusing on what you want and getting that support you need. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Saf. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being interviewed here. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Pod. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast, add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review. Share with a friend to help us reach more weight-inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. See you next week.